Sacred Footsteps presents Khayal Diaries, a series of personal accounts, narratives, and critical reflections on topics like Islamic history, culture, and travel. Join us as we showcase a global community of contributors, writers, and artists. Lessons from Life on the Road by Alex Reynolds had literally no idea I would travel for so long when I packed my life into two backpacks back in 2016. My loose plan was to travel for a year or so with my then boyfriend until we ran out of money, then find some way to make money somewhere warm and most probably Southeast Asian. But plans never happen as planned. I ended up traveling for more than a year on my savings, I broke up with that boyfriend, and I figured out how to make money while traveling, through blogging, freelancing, selling foot photos on the internet. Just kidding. Or am I? Though I've been living on the road for more than four years now, I gotta be clear. I have no grand intentions. See, traveling overseas to find yourself just makes no sense to me. I mean, how are you supposed to learn about the depths of your soul while struggling to float in a sea of foreignness? But I won't deny I've learned a thousand and one life lessons on the road. Some are simple in scope, like hand sanitizer a day keeps the diarrhea away, while others aren't as simple. To me, The four most important lessons I've learned from four years of full-time travel are Number one, you can't see everything. And that's totally fine. When I first started traveling, I wanted to see everything. I headed to a new place every two or three days. I zipped around entire countries in a month or less. I oohed and ahed and snapped way too many photos of every marginally impressive thing I encountered. But those days, they're over. As days blend into weeks and months and years, top 10 must-sees, they lose their charm. In Thailand, it's called temple fatigue. In Uzbekistan, there's tile fatigue. The feeling when you've seen too many temples or mosques or churches or busts of Lenin or charming squares or whatever, and you really could not give any less about seeing more. What was once exciting becomes underwhelming. People who make you feel bad about your sightseeing choices are the actual problem. Home folks insist you're so lucky to see all of these things then you feel guilty for not caring. Others remind you of all the things you haven't seen that you absolutely must see. Or else, did you even really visit? Screw them. Do what makes you happy. These days, my ideal outings involve walking streets at sunrise to enjoy silence and golden light. 
eating ice creams while watching people take horrible vacation selfies in ugly locations, reading particularly absurd Google Maps reviews, or meeting locals for coffee and whiling away the day talking about anything and everything. None of these appear on TripAdvisor top 10 lists, but who cares? I travel the way I want to, not the way other people tell me to. Number two, you're privileged AF, but it's not bad unless you ignore it. Long-term travel is not accessible for just anyone and everyone. The club is privileged people only. You can try arguing with me, but you're going to lose. To travel internationally at all, you need to have a passport which many people just don't have. Maybe they can't read, maybe they can't afford one, maybe they've never needed one, maybe they're forbidden from getting one, maybe they don't have access to systems to apply for one. Heck, only 42% of people in my own country, the big, bad, wealthy US of A, have passports. Even if you do have a passport, you need visas. Money for tickets and accommodation and food, time to travel in some capacity, language to communicate, familial freedom or permission in some cases, health to physically be able to travel. That's a lot, right? Sure, people break norms. Some travel without money, others with weak passports find countries that will let them in. Travelers fight families for their freedom all the time. But still, they're privileged. Travelers without money are usually from wealthy Western countries who have financial security nets at home. Travelers with weak passports are often elites in their own country, wealthy enough to consider recreational travel at all. People fight their families, but many times their family is well-educated or well-off enough to sustain themselves if one of their children leaves to travel the world. And you know what? That's okay. As long as we admit our privileges, we can come to terms with them. And, more importantly, find ways to use our privilege to uplift those who aren't as privileged. I totally used to get defensive about my privilege. I'm not a trust fund baby. I'm actually a broke backpacker without a home, and I pay for all my travels myself, and my parents still harp on me to go back to the U.S. to, like, get a real person job and stuff. Just acknowledge my struggle. Now, I know better. I have two extremely powerful passports, a good education, no debt, and technical life and native language skills to keep me afloat pretty much anywhere. Instead of going on the defense, I now ask, how can I use these to have a positive impact on the world? I'm still figuring out that last question, of course. I mean, I try to encourage responsible tourism and support other women and promote local voices to varying degrees of success. But what really matters is that I'm actively learning and trying. Purpose has replaced guilt. Number three, it's okay to take breaks. 
If you spend enough time on the road, you will eventually learn that traveler culture is often a never-ending cycle of one-upmanship. How many countries have you been to? I've been to 398 if you count the territories. Oh, you took the bus? That's cool, but I hitchhiked here from the Galapagos Islands on the backs of sea turtles. I've been on the road for 13 years, living only on whiskey, cigarettes, and organic honey I collect with nomads in the Himalayas. No matter what you do, there is always someone who did something more extreme or traveled longer or visited more places that you've never heard of. Most travelers are perfectly pleasant, but there's always some loud ego or two who feels the need to one-up everyone in the room. And honestly, these travelers got to me. The more off-the-beaten-track I traveled, the more pressure I felt from all the seemingly hardcore travelers I'd meet. Gone were the casual vacationers and backpackers, in were the adventurous souls whose lives were inextricable from the road. In the early years, I felt like this imposter, too wet behind the ears to associate with such worldly folks. I needed to travel farther and longer and crazier and just never stop if I wanted to be anything like these guys. And becoming an influencer? Yeah, that didn't help. I felt the need to show this strong face to my followers. There were times when I wanted to just slow down and do nothing, or go somewhere, you know, just to hang out and relax and maybe visit a friend or two. But I felt like that was cheating. But eventually, I realized, who cares? That's great that you hitchhiked on sea turtles, I like taking the bus because it stops for snacks and I can listen to music and avoid human interaction for a few hours. And cool that you live on cigarettes and honey. I like cheap cookies and yeah, I occasionally treat myself to salads because I'm pretty sure I'll probably die of scurvy if I don't. And congratulations on traveling for a thousand years to a million different countries I've never heard of. I'm actually going to go visit some friends and family for a bit because I miss them. And I'm also really tired of dealing with douches like you all the time. Also, FYI, country counting is kind of overrated. There's still this niggling feeling of guilt or weakness every time I spend more than a few days visiting a quote-unquote easy country. But now, I'm cooler with it than I ever was before. Number four. Long-term travel is lonely. Forget parasites ravaging my bowels or nearly dying of altitude sickness and being harassed and assaulted on the reg. Honestly, the hardest part of all my long-term travel is loneliness. I'm not talking about the loneliness in the middle of the night when you're in a dingy guest house room on your own in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do but watch Netflix or read a book. No. This loneliness is much bigger. See, 
the experiences you have while traveling are often extraordinary. Your perspectives change. Your understanding of the world changes. You change. But everyone else at home? Not so much. These changes isolate you. Though family and friends may have some kind of shallow interest in your adventures, they often just can't relate. Most of my friends and family don't really want to hear anything more than a gripping near-death tale or two. If even. When you return home, or settle somewhere where travelers are few and far between, it's like your vast treasure chest of experiences simply evaporates into thin air. And it's a shock. No one actually cares about what you've seen and how it's changed you. You're alone in your experiences. Now, I often feel overwhelmingly lonely and isolated whenever I visit friends and family living so-called normal lives in the United States and Europe. I'm like a cultural pariah, disconnected for too long from the worlds they exist in to fully relate to them. And the reverse is also true. Going back home to visit people is like waking up from some magical dream. Vivid as it was, no one really wants to hear about it. Does this mean I'm doomed to be lonely forever? Maybe. Or perhaps I need to make a better effort to surround myself with travelers. Or maybe I need to stop fixating on the distances between myself and those living normal lives and instead find ways to build bridges between them. I don't know. What I do know for sure is that regardless of how lonely or pressured or exhausting travel might be at times, I wouldn't trade all of the experiences that I've had for anything else in the world. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contribute to Chayal Diaries, please submit a written proposal to submissions at sacredfootsteps.org. We're present everywhere on social media as Sacred Footsteps and on Twitter as sfootsteps. Footsteps.